When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you feeling lonely and unsupported by your partner? Just feeling ignored and abandoned and they don't understand you, they don't meet your needs, they just you're just not connecting? Well, that's a difficult, heartbreaking place for any of us to be. And there's a common reason for it. There's a common dynamic that in play in all relationships that causes this. In most relationships, let's face it, why do they break up? Why do they end? What causes divorce? Is we didn't feel loved and supported. Well, some of that is society's fault, really. See, we have to remember how we've learned about relationships. Think about it. In our generation, the last you know 70 years, Relationships have been modeled to us through TV, through music, through movies, through books. They've created this fantasy view of what a relationship is. Now, the other thing is we have to look at relationship history. How have relationships formed? Well, a lot of people might not know this, but relationships started really, there was no love. The concept of love started only a couple hundred years ago, or it was about 400 years ago. Before that, almost all marriages were arranged, and it was really based on um, what you could provide. You know, what sort of dowry and, and status could you provide? But there was no concept of love. That became a construct. Uh, really, it was married men who started started writing poems, love letters, to women. That's when the concept of love started, and it became this fantasy, this Basically, I mean, think about it. What's a poem? It's an emotional expression of something, but it's not a reality. It's just, you know, somebody communicating a fan, you know, some sort of vision they have. Well, that's the dynamic of relationships we've all grown up with. And now it's been really exacerbated in our generations, the last three to five, going back because of movies and music. Now it's completely switched and everything's about love. And the message we've been sent is honestly very destructive, and it's not realistic at all. And that's why the divorce rate is over 50%. That's why so many people aren't feeling loved and supported is no one's really bad. It's not that your husband or your wife isn't a supporting person. It's that the way they've been taught to be supportive doesn't create support. It's not the true authentic support that we need, and it leaves us all feeling bankrupt. And it's also incredibly manipulative. It's not authentic. It's not real. And so that's what's causing the major rift in all of this is just a lack of information. We don't teach what true healthy relationships are. And, and in all fairness, you know, in the, the advent of psychology around relationship dynamics, the things I'm going to speak to you about here in just a minute, the solutions um, have only been developed in the last, you know, 20 to 50 years, depending on, you know, which part you talk about it. But the deeper levels of true intimate relationship as we've studied 
you know, what it takes to have a real relationship because psychology really, you know, the practice or the study of psychology is only about 150 years old. We never dealt with any of these topics for the millions of years we've been on this planet. We're really 150 years into the exploration of all of these things. So, we're vastly under-equipped, under-educated in all of these areas. To me, it's the greatest ex exciting thing. This is the major growth in, in humanity. Everyone talks about technology. I'm like, no, no, no. Emotional mastery, emotional growth, that's the next explosion in the human dynamic because we've never pursued it as a species. And, and just started 150 years ago. The first psychology book was written in the 1870s. And then Freud, but really it wasn't until the 1970s with the advent of talk shows, Oprah, Phil Donahue, uh, Morton Downey Jr., the crazier ones, where we started to talk openly about relationships, um, emotions, trauma, abuse, all these different topics. So think about that. In millions of years of existence, we're 50 years into the open discussion of love and true relationship and the investigation of it. Well, if you were to equate that, that means we really haven't even discovered fire or tools or that the earth isn't flat. That's how early in the process of emotional mastery and emotional development, relational development, we are as a species as to what we're capable of. So that's the first thing. Let yourself off the hook. Let your partner off the hook. How could anyone know how to really support us when none of it's been taught and the species isn't even aware of the correct healthy way to do it? So that's the first thing is everybody kind of lower your expectations and um, realize everybody's just doing the best they can with very little information and very little teaching, okay? So that's the first you know, kind of um, shift in perspective that needs to happen is we're just doing the best we can. Now, the second thing to recognize is what is the general message we've been sent about love? If you love me, you'll have my back at all times. I call it the Kardashian method because when reality shows started that you look at The Bachelor, you look at reality shows like the Kardashians, every, everyone talks about it. Well, you got to have my back at all times. He doesn't know, he's got to support me. Well, let's look at that. That belief system that our partner has to support us, has to be on our side at all times. And I use, I'm going to use an example that's really just far-fetched but it drives home the point of how illogical, how improper, and how wrong that belief system is that our partner needs to support us at all times. Let, let's say I was married. And let's say I walked into my wife and, you know, marriage is going okay and things are basically fine. And I turned to her and I said, you know, honey, I'm just kind of a little bored with our relationship. I'm bored with life. So, you know what I've decided to do? I've decided that every Wednesday night from 8 p.m. till 1 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to go out and I'm going to commit murder. I just need that in my life. I need some sort of excitement and something to do. Well, under this premise that we're always supposed to have their back, what does that mean? Well, she should support me. Now, I know that sounds outlandish, but that's the expectation we place on people. Our husband or wife is an addict or has a codependent relationship with their parents or an inappropriate relationship with their children or, or they, they step out of line at work or all these different perfect imperfections that aren't 
you know, as egregious as my example. And there's this demand, you have to support me. Well, no, no. I know if my partner came in and said that, I go, well, it sounds like you're doing what's best for you, but that doesn't fit my morals and values, my needs and wants. So good for you for doing what's best for you. But yeah, I think I'm going to look for a different partner. But see, we're, we're all taught, no, I have to stand there. I have to put up with this if I love them. And they'll use that against us in all these different situations. Well, that's the biggest problem is we think that support means they always support us. Well, that's not true. That's not love. It is not loving to support our dysfunction. Healthy marriages, healthy relationships require each individual pursuing their greatest self and the other one pursuing their greatest self. And when our partner drops, there is a correct way to support, but the enabling support, and that's what we've been taught is to enable it and just give into it and accept it. Well, that's not love. Now what we're doing is we are seriously pulling that person away from their pursuit of their highest good, their highest ability, because we're condoning. It's okay that you can stay down here. You can play the victim. You cannot take responsibility, all these different things. That's what that model teaches is it's not okay for us to reach a higher level of intimacy and connection and support with each other. We're going to settle because I'm going to support you in your complete dysfunction. That's not love. And so what that model is, what we've all learned through movies, TV, all of this stuff, what we think is love. This is another truth that has to be slashed. Our concept of love isn't love. It's what's called codependence. Every single one of us, your parents, and this is tough to hear, But every marriage, I don't care if somebody's been together 70 years or one year, every relationship out there is codependent unless people have been through massive training like that I teach the couples that I work with and very few people on this planet do this, okay? So there's there's a a microscopic level of people that actually try and pursue a true healthy relationship because most people are completely unaware and they're chasing the old movie model, which ends in codependence, love addiction, and love avoidance. So what you're seeing in every relationship that we all pursue, what we think is love is actually codependence mixed with love addiction and love avoidance. That push-pull, somebody, you know, there's somebody who's really clingy and connective and the other one's kind of distant. Well, that's the avoidant, that's the addict. The opposites attract, you know how people hear that? Well, that's addict avoidant. You know how in your own relationship, you're up and they're down. People say, oh, it's great. When I'm up, you know, or when I'm down, they're always up and vice versa, but you're always at opposites. One's up, one's down. That's the codependent avoidance dynamic of never truly connecting. One is always up, one is always down because to be connected, they'd have to meet in the middle. Well, they can't. One's the addict, one's the avoidant. They're always walking away from each other and people are just completely unaware of this. And so they make this demand. You need, I told you this is what I want. Why didn't you remember? You're supposed to remember this. That's a codependent belief. All right, I'm couples, I have to deal with this all the time. That he should just know, she should just know this is important to me. That's codependence. No, they shouldn't know. It's their life. They don't think about those things. And it's not their responsibility to think about things. 
So I'm going to get into a lot of solutions here to show you what a non-codependent, non-love-addicted, love-avoidant relationship looks like. And it's going to shatter a lot of beliefs of what you've had of what support is. And th these beliefs are what are creating the lack of support that you're looking for. And so the first step is we have to take ownership that the problem is not our partner. I'm not saying that they're not being imperfect. I'm sure that they are in many ways. But when our focus is on them, that's codependence because we're trying to control them and make them into something they're not. The only person we can control is ourselves. And we have to take ownership that I picked a person who has these perfect imperfections. That's about me. Why did I like a partner that doesn't listen to me? And we say, oh, that's not my fault. No, it is. It, and fault isn't the right word, but the responsibility is on us. From day one, they didn't listen to you and you stayed. And all these different imperfections, they were always there. But because of the codependent love addiction, love, love avoidant model, we suppress all that. We're caught up in the feelings and the, the butterflies and the magic of the sex and the newness of things. And we get sucked in because we're think, we think we're living the movie you know, the notebook and all of that. Now, look, I love all those movies. I watch them and cry. They're wonderful, but they are not real. That is not love. Okay. So the first thing we have to recognize is this. It is never our partner's responsibility to meet our needs and wants. I know the exact opposite of what we've all been taught. It is always our responsibility to meet our own needs and wants. It's wonderful when they do. And so this is what I'm going to show you. This is the difference. Can you see this? It says codependence at the top. At the bottom, it says interdependence. Here's what we've all been taught. This is love. Do you see where the circles intersect? This small little section? What this means is, you know, we're expecting the other person. These are two whole. The circles represent two whole individuals. All right. And what we're expecting is for them to give up the wholeness of their life and dedicate everything into here. Well, do you see what that, remember what I said, the pursuit is each person pursuing their higher self? Well, if we're all in here constantly supporting and being there for our partner, we lose ourselves. And this, you see this in relationships. What happens in relationships? Within the first three months, both of them gain 10 pounds. Both of them stop going to the gym, stop pursuing their habits and their interests and the things that meant, meant things to, you know, meant were important to them. And they're all here. That's codependence. They've given up their life. You'll see it immediately in relationships. People literally go to hell. And what happens when they get single? All of a sudden she gets her hair done. It's like, whoa. Where were you the last 10 years? Why didn't you look like that when we were married? Both men and women. I look at myself. After my divorces, I look great. <laughs> you know? Because I, I was stuck in this codependent model before I learned how all this stuff worked. So, the expectation that this is relationship is the loss of two individual selves. And so, true healthy relationship is this. You have two individuals who discuss, and this is one thing people never do. Ask a person, what are your morals and values? What are your needs and wants? What are your negotiables and non-negotiables? And even more important, before you ever go on a date, and if you're stuck in a marriage, you need to sit down right now and go, what are my morals and values? 
What are my needs and wants? What are my negotiables and non-negotiables? Most people are in relationships where they've picked a partner that they have non-negotiables with. In other words, their partner, I don't know, drinks to a level that doesn't work for them, has a hobby they don't like that goes against their morals and values. Um, smokes pot or whatever it is, has a political belief system that's non-negotiable, a religious um, belief, uh, you know, their beliefs on intimacy and sex, how long, how often it should be, and the type of sex, they're all non-negotiable and they're stuck in this because they never sat down and went, what are my morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables? So that's the first thing you need to do. And then you go find somebody and the hope is that this part of the, this is signifies the relationship. The hope is that you find somebody, depending on what your morals and values are, that shares this section becomes bigger. So you have a lot more shared interests. Now, some people like a quieter relationship with more inter, you know, independence will then go find somebody that feels the same way. So there's very little shared interdependence in the relationship. So those are the those are the first steps. We have to sit down and go, who am I and what do I want? Now, who am I going to look for? Do I want someone with a lot of shared interests so this when the circles come together, we share a lot of commonality or do I want less? What does it look like? Now, the way it works is in a relationship. Remember the belief that everyone has to support us? Well, here's what happens our spouse comes in and says, hey, I want to go camping this weekend. And on Monday, we're like, yeah, sounds great. I love to camp. This is a shared interest. But then the rest of the week, they had a terrible week. They're exhausted. Lots of, Maybe there's a death in the family, whatever. And they're like, no, I don't have the reserves, but I'm supposed to support my partner. So they go on the camping trip and the whole time they're there, they're bitching and moaning and complaining. They're passive aggressive. And because ultimately they wanted to say no, but I'm supposed to support my partner. I'm supposed to be there for them. And so they hold all this hidden resentment and anger that comes out. Well, that's the death of a relationship is people have said yes to things because I'm supposed to support them. Right. And they never said no. And so the idea becomes this. We share with our person our morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables. We discuss what are commonalities. And then we make requests. We discover, wait a minute, I have this part of myself that you're not interested in. Now, I might want you to join me. Like I have a, a husband and wife. He loves to play golf and he loves his wife to come along. And she used to go along all the time and it would drive her crazy. Well, I've had to teach her, look, you need to check yourself. What are your reserves? Because sometimes she's in, she enjoys it. About one out of 10 times, she loves to sit in the cart and just ride along while he plays golf. And so what I've had to teach her is to check herself. Wait a minute. Today, this doesn't fit my morals and values. And so she's learned to say, you know, I love you, honey, but it just doesn't work for me today. Please go play on your own. Now, conversely, he always felt rejected and abandoned when she wouldn't come. And so I've had to help him see, wait a minute, that's the most loving thing she can say. Because remember all the times she'd show up and be miserable in the cart. And you'd tell me how you played a bad round because she was such a blankety blank. So what you're avoiding 
is that support at all times, which ends up in the destruction of a relationship. No is the most kind and loving thing we can ever say in a relationship. It is literally the most supportive sentence or word we can ever say to our partner is no. Please start saying no to your partner. When they make the request, if it doesn't fit in your morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables, and if you don't have the reserves that day, just politely, you know, I, I love that you're doing what works best for you, <clears throat> but I just don't have the reserves today. Yeah, today that doesn't work for me. Today, I need to just sit on the couch and read a great book and spend some time by myself. That's true interdependence. That's love. So the next thing we have to recognize is, because this is what bites people as well, they expect that once they've told their partner what matters to them, that they should remember it. Well, they won't. And, and, and it's an unrealistic expectation. And so it, it is all, like I have another client, she gets like horrifically upset because a very important need and want of hers is for her husband to come in from work and check with her. How are you feeling today? How'd your day go? She just wants to talk. She just wants to kind of puke her day out and have him listen. And she feels after 12 years of marriage, he should just know this. And I'm like, but remember morals and values, needs and wants. It's not his need and want to check on that. And it doesn't have to be his need and want. He gets to live an individual life based on his own morals and values. Like he thinks the way he supports his wife is how hard he works. To him, that matters more than whether he listens to her. They have different morals and values on what support looks like. Well, who's right? Both of them. Who's wrong? Neither one of them. And so it's her responsibility every single day. I've had to guide her into making the request. Honey, do you have a couple minutes? I'd just like to talk about my day. Are you in a place where you can listen to me? And he's had to learn to go, you know what? It's been too tough of a day. I need an hour just to shut down, have, you know, sit and watch a little TV. And then, yes, I can listen to you. That's how you generate interdependence, love, and support. It's our responsibility to make the request for our needs and wants to be met. It's the other person's responsibility to check themselves and see if they're capable in that moment of doing it. If not, they say no, but they let them know when they might be available for it. That's how you create support. You drop the expectation that they have to see the world from your perspective. That's co Dependence, because now I'm using what's called negative control. You have to see the world the way I see it. Now I'm dependent on you to meet my needs, because otherwise I'm not happy. Now I'm codependent. I'm not independent. My life story and my sense of self will, is always determined by whether you give me what I want. Well, that's the destruction of all relationship, and that's what the movies tell us. And that's why everyone's miserable, because that's a false truth. It's not even true. It's the death of a relationship. The way to preserve a relationship is to recognize everyone has their own morals and values, their own beliefs, and they get to have them. 
And it's not our job to change them. It's our job to accept them and work within that framework and make the request. Even if a thousand times they say no and it's our need, it's still our job to get that need met. Now, let's go back to that example of her wanting to express herself. Well, if he says, no, I just can't tonight. Well, if she really feels that need to be heard, then she needs to put a plan in place to meet her own needs and wants. Get a phone tree with some girlfriends she can talk to. Get in a support group with people she can talk to because it's her need. It's her job to fill it, not his, and vice versa. That's the secret. We always want to ask for our needs and wants, but we want to celebrate when they say no and we need a backup plan. We need, if, if, if we need physical touch, say, um, we need hugs and our partner doesn't want to give them, well, then I'm going to schedule a massage. I need to be touched today. That's a healthy, non-destructive way to get my need for physical touch done. It's not my partner's responsibility. It's wonderful when my partner has the reserves to contribute into this shared space and give me physical touch or quality time or words of affirmation or you know the different five love languages or listen to me. Man, that's blissful. But in those times when they're perfectly imperfect or they're operating in their full self, we celebrate that. Because now I get the opportunity to meet that need myself. Plus, here's why no is so valuable. Remember what happens when we don't say no. We keep score. Remember, you get in those fights. I did this for you and this for you and this for you. Right? We throw it back in their face. That's number two. We use it against them. We throw it back in their face of how I, I didn't want to go on that camping trip and I did it for you. And then we stew in resentment. So you tell me, is that love? When we're supposedly doing these things for our partner and then we club them over the head. The next time we feel hurt and rejected, we, we blame them for how we did something we didn't want to do because obviously we didn't want to do it. We're throwing it in their face. We didn't do it out of love, out of support. That's the lie. We're all like, no, I supported you. No, you didn't because you're throwing it in my face. You kept score and you have resentment that you did it. That tells me you tried to manipulate me. You tried to get, you know, a notch on your belt to eventually go, well, I did this. Now you owe me. Is that love? That isn't. Can you see it? That's the model we've been taught is I'll do this stuff for you and I'm going to hold it over your head and you owe me because I supported you. That's why relationships are dead. That's why you're not feeling supported. So look, look at your dynamic. How are you saying yes to things you want to say no? That's building that resentment and keeping score. And you're feeling like I'm doing all this and they won't support me. Stop. Stop doing it. Check yourself. In this moment, does it fit my morals and values, needs and wants, negotiables and non-negotiables? If it doesn't, say no. Quit doing it. That'll let go of that resentment and that'll let go of that feeling of you're not being supported. Secondly, start making requests. After you sit down and make your list of morals and values, needs and wants, start requesting them from your partner and celebrate when they say no. The next step is put a plan in place. List out how, if my partner weren't here, how would I meet these needs and wants myself? What would I have to do? And so when my partner says no, boom, I immediately go to the list and I meet it myself. That's how you generate true love and support. So let me go over the steps again. First thing, 
<laughs> look at how you're demanding that your partner support you incorrectly and be your sole source of support. How you're then using that as resentment to throw in their face and keep score that you supported them. You did these things for them and now you're throwing it back in their face. Recognize you're doing that to manipulate them, to control them, to then demand that they do something for you. Start owning that's not love, that's manipulative, codependent, and that will destroy the relationship. Make amends if possible. Hey, I just saw this video. I didn't know this. It was groundbreaking. I'm going to put a plan in place to stop doing this, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what that looks like. I'm going to start making, this is number three, I'm going to start making requests of you. And when you're in that place, and I want you to say no, because I don't want, now that I learn how destructive this resentment is from not saying no, I want you to say no to me if it doesn't work for you, so that we stop the way we're throwing this in each other's faces. But what that means is I may leave, I may go do something because I need, I just learned I need to go meet these needs and wants myself. And so you're going to see some big changes in our relationship. And I wanted you to know that, but this is what's going to bring us our connection back. Is we, I didn't know until I saw this video that the dynamic we taught is what's destroying our relationship. I'm expecting you to do something for me that you can't do and vice versa. It's not your job to support me when you don't want to. It's not healthy. It's not kind and loving. And so these are the steps I'm going to take to save our relationship because you mean that much to me. I'm going to play my part in this. Now, whether you do it or not is up to you. I just know that's the type of love and relationship I want. It fits my morals and values. So I encourage you, watch this video. And if you decide you feel the same way, do you see how I'm phrasing that? They get to decide. And the partner may go, oh, it's a bunch of BS. I don't believe it. We're not codependent. We're not love out of God. He's full of it. They may be in massive denial and not want to hear it. Well, that's fine. They get to. Well, go make a plan. How are you going to deal with that? Now that you have a partner who doesn't want to participate in healthy intimacy, you're going to have to put a plan in place to get healthy intimacy. So that's your solution. If you want connection in your life again, take everything and flip it to the opposite. Start learning how to support yourself first. Learn how to say no and learn how to say yes to yourself.